Hey, are you ready to move your life? I mean, really move it? It's time to turn up the dial on your energy, your health, your sport performance, your happiness, and your relationships. If you want to live with more freedom, more adventure, more passion, more fun, and more success, if you're ready to get your brain in the game and achieve the most out of every area of your life, then it's time to move to live and live to move with your host, Jill Summers. Hello, you made it. You're here. You're in the right place. If you are ready to dial up your life, this is Jill with Jill M. Summers Performance Coaching coming to you from Boulder, Colorado, here with Kim Taylor for the podcast series called Not in Kansas Anymore, Kim Taylor's Journey to Ironman, Arizona. Today, we're getting the review from Kim's race last weekend in Oklahoma City, where Kim was scheduled to complete a 2.4-mile swim followed by a 112-mile bike ride. Welcome back, Kim. How did your weekend go? We all want to hear the lowdown about the outcome and the experience of the weekend. Well, I will start with an overview that I'm happy with how the weekend went um, to start with. There were some challenges, and the biggest thing was the weather was challenging, and high winds forced them to cancel the swim. So my goal was to go down and do the swim and the bike together, and it ended up just being a long bike ride, which was fairly disappointing. And it created some scrambling around and changing how I was doing things last minute, you know, race morning, because I had planned for the swim and it didn't happen. But, uh, and then the winds and rain created some challenges on the bike as well. I got through all of it and considering how the weather went and, and the challenges of race day, I was really happy with my effort and with how it went. Uh, then the following day, I did have the long run that I got up and got in pretty stiff and sore and tired, but um, I was pretty happy with how that went as well. So by the end of the weekend, I was pretty pleased. You had a lot of weather challenges through your training this summer. I have. Uh, well, my my first race that I did this year in June, the swim was also canceled because of weather, and it was raining and windy that day as well. And then all summer in Kansas, and it's, it's Kansas. It's hot and humid and windy. That's pretty much the nature of how it is. And they say, you know, we don't have mountains or hills in Kansas, but the wind is our hills. That's the phrase. Yes. True. Um, a day where the wind is less than 15 miles an hour is a gift from God. Most yeah. of the time it's, you know, higher than that. But in, in, 25 miles an hour uh, on race day last weekend, which was pretty terrific. So. Wind is so tough because you really have one chance out of four that is going to be in your favor because you either have a headwind or you have a side wind from your right or a side wind from your left and you might get the tailwind. Yeah. The crosswinds were challenging Saturday. It was windy enough, but there were times where gusts would come up and if you weren't really braced, it, it would uh, unsettle you a little bit. So, um, yeah, it was that situation. It was wind, three directions, and tailwind in one. And uh, it never felt like a long enough segment into tailwind where you'd have to turn it. <laughs> it never does. So. Tell us about the swim cancellation. Why would they cancel the swim? Well, with the, with the high wind, the water was really choppy. And it was not real safe for the little 
for the small watercraft to go out and be support. Plus, it was so choppy, you could look out on the surface of the water and you wouldn't be able to tell a wave from someone flailing in the water struggling. So um, they did it for safety reasons. I mean, I can understand that when you, when I was looking at the water Saturday morning, I wasn't upset they canceled it. I was more upset with the weather that forced it, but um, you know, it, it probably was the best decision. Yeah. So what was going through your mind when the decision hadn't been made yet? Cancel it. And you're waiting around to hear what, what was going to happen and what would happen next. Well, you know, honestly, there wasn't a lot floating around in my mind that it was going to be canceled. I was just preparing for the swim. There weren't a lot of rumors of it being canceled or anything. I mean, sometimes there are, you know, people talk about it, whatever, but this was just kind of a, an abrupt get on the microphone. We're sorry this one was canceled. What just happened kind of moment. It wasn't like I was building up to that or worried about it or thinking about it. I was just focused on getting ready to swim up until the moment they said we weren't going to. You showed a picture where you were holding up a swim cap that says the swim was canceled. Yeah. What was the story behind that? I am in a, I, I'm in a Facebook group um, called Badass Iron Triathletes. And um, sometimes they're somewhat inappropriate, and, but it, you know, it's kind of fun. And they're, it's kind of a running joke uh, called the swim is canceled because it's becoming a lot more frequent that that is happening with races. I think they're a little quicker to pull the safety card and, and cancel it. So it's kind of a running joke and they sell the swim is canceled t-shirts and swim caps and all kinds of stuff. So I actually bought that right after my swim is canceled in Maryland. Okay. So you brought that with you from a couple of months ago. Yeah, I'd had that swim cap for a while. Got it. Yeah. So that probably ha had an effect on your nutrition. How did you adjust to that? Yeah, it was a challenge because I had a schedule of when I was going to have my pre-race breakfast and, and everything. And so it ended up delaying the start of the race. I was supposed to start at 7.30. I planned my breakfast accordingly. And then I actually didn't start on my bike until after 9. So um, it kind of threw off my pre-race nutrition. And I, I just kind of winged it, I guess, the, the nutrition I was planning on doing in transition between the swim and the bike, I did right before I got on the bike, basically. So it didn't alter that as much as it really just elongated the time between my big, my big meal and when I started. So and I started out a little bit on the low side. Any repercussions from that? You know, I don't know. I, I did notice a little bit of, um, a little bit of hunger, like I feel like I need to supply you know, some carbs to the system a little earlier than normal for the first couple hours of the ride, but I don't, I don't know that I noticed a huge drop in energy levels. It was a little hard to tell though, because I was, for a large part of that ride, I was pushing so hard against the wind that I wasn't really sure what my energy level was, to be quite honest. It was mm -hmm. just working hard. So, so I don't really think that there was much of an energy difference, but I did supplement a little bit more early on because of it. Good. You know, my sense is that you're getting really good at listening to your body's needs because of all the training that you've been doing. You know, there, what we talk about with nutrition is we start with textbook information, yeah. textbook data, and then we have to add the art because every body is different. We have bio individuality. And so how your body is going to 
take in and convert the calories and or the hydration and or the electrolytes is going to be different than somebody else. So starting with the science is a great place to begin. And then we begin dialing it in. And, and then you get really good at listening to what it is that the body needs. Do you feel like you're there now where you can really hear the messages from the body and what it needs, whether that's calories or electrolytes or hydration? I'm getting closer. I don't think that I'm totally there. Um, I think with the, with the nutrition, I'm getting closer. The hydration is and the electrolytes are still a little bit of an issue. And I think that was more of a challenge Saturday than the nutrition was. You know, we started out, it was cold. Well, it was, it wasn't necessarily cold, but it was cool because it was very windy and it was wet. It was raining. It was overcast. You know, I started out pretty well and I was following my hydration plan. Uh, but somewhere over the course of the afternoon, the weather got really hot and humid and sunny. And it kind of escaped me just a little bit. And I think I got behind on foods a little without noticing that as much. I did notice midway through the ride and, and, and correct a little bit by increasing my intake. But I think it was a little bit, I noticed it a little too late. Probably should have noticed it a little sooner. But I mean, I'm getting closer. What makes you think that you noticed it too late? What did you experience that makes you say I noticed it too late? Well, several things, I guess. But mainly when I got off the bike, and later that evening and even on the next day I felt not quite right I think I was a little dehydrated um, I would say that it probably affected my performance a little bit towards the end although it's again it's a little bit hard to judge because it was the last 20 miles of the longest ride I've done and it was directly into a headwind with a lot of hills and so I don't really know how much of it was that and how much of it was hydration and nutrition causing a dip but there was a definite dip in the last 20 miles well the other thing is I didn't really I didn't have to pee like I really probably should have um, all day on Saturday even after the ride it just seemed like I was in a flow place so. yeah good awareness so the absence of having to go to the bathroom especially after the race is a really good indication there wasn't enough hydration coming in and absolutely right one of the things you'll experience if your hydration is low is a dip in your energy yeah another another thing that has the dip in energy is is low calories and the more you know you train and get used to how your body is responding you'll be able to discern between the, the difference and people might be like well aren't you thirsty well not necessarily sometimes you don't yeah. get that sensation of thirst and sometimes you don't get the sensation of hunger either. I worked with a client who said he could do the entire 112-mile bike without feeling hungry ever. And so for him, we literally had to just set a timer on his watch that went off on very specific intervals. And he would take in calories at that time because he couldn't trust his feedback system to let him know that he was hungry. Yeah, I think my feedback system on that's better than it is on the fluid right now. But I, I have a, I've done some testing, and I do have a very high loss rate when it comes to fluid and electrolytes. So really trying to dial that in. And the other thing that's a little more challenging is that varies a little bit depending on weather. Whereas nutrition is kind of the same whether you're in 100 degree heat or 50 degree weather. The hydration kind of fluctuates a little bit because my loss rate does depending on situation. And so. Part of what I ran into Saturday was the weather changed quite a bit mid-ride, and I was so focused on the ride that 
the weather change kind of escaped me just a little bit. Yeah. You had a lot of variables that you were working with, but I want to take a moment to full on celebrate you for getting your longest ride and managing too the the variability handling that swim. It's a real, it's a real mind thing. Yeah, it definitely. It was definitely a disappointment because that was really the main reason that I went to do that event was to get the experience with the swim. Right. Uh, the fact that it didn't happen was disappointing. I had kind of built the day up in my head of feeling really good at the end of it that I had the full distance swim and bike under my belt. There's something about experiencing and actually doing it and having that behind you, knowing that you've done it to kind of take out a little bit of the fear of the unknown. Um, so I still have that fear of the unknown of the long open water swim. I didn't get that behind me, but in um, the other thing on the bike too, uh, that I'm, pretty happy with is the weather was so adverse at the beginning that within the first 20 or 30 minutes I seriously considered stopping uh, because of just the, the wind and the wet roads and the bike congestion and city traffic getting out of town and there were a lot of factors that made me feel like eh, this really isn't the safest thing to be doing and I was concerned about a crash or something kind of ending everything but I decided that I would waited out a little bit because I thought the rain would stop and, and sure enough it did. Um, I was pretty happy that I did that, that I didn't pull the plug too early. Walk us through the thoughts you were having during that time when you're like, gosh, maybe I shouldn't continue because it's not safe, but I really want to, but maybe I should stop. Well, the main concern was just not crashing and not hurting myself. I mean, I just, um, I've invested too much at this point to do something stupid and have a wreck, stop everything before I even get to Arizona. But in the first 10 miles or so, 15 miles were definitely treacherous. And, um, but I just took it slow. And my main, you know, the main thought was safety versus the fact that I really wanted to take a long bike that day and have at least one of the two things accomplished. I have to say, had I done the swim and had that behind me, my decision on the bike might have been a little different. I don't know. There was a lot of there was a lot of unsettled dissatisfaction. I guess that there was no swim. Yeah. I felt like I really needed to do the bike, so I just kind of kept going. But I kind of took it slow and took it easy, and just kept telling myself just hang on because the conditions will get better. I mean, I knew like by this afternoon I'll be really mad at myself if I if I don't. What would you say were some of the low points and, and walk us through those? What were some of the thoughts you were having during the low points? The lowest, absolute lowest point of that ride was the last 20 miles. Yeah. And, um, I turned, I remember I turned and headed south it back into the 25 mile an hour headwinds at mile 96. And it was about, 13 or so miles ahead of me directly into the headwind with a lot of rolling hills and for me that's one of my Achilles tendon that's my nemesis really is is the inclines attested that I am always complaining that I can't do hills and I'm working on that but just the mental aspect of oh my gosh I have a lot of climbing to do here when I say climbing we're talking about Oklahoma City it's not like major mountain climbing but I feel it with my body weight I feel even small inclines and uh, 
the last 20 miles into the headwind, going up and down, really fatigued uh, from the ride. I was already well past my personal best at that point in the miles. And then probably some added factor of, you know, the dehydration and I was sunburned and a few other things. And I had moments where I mentally kind of stopped a little bit and, you know, my cadence slowed down. I wanted to cry. There were a couple of times I wanted to scream. <laughs> there was never a moment in time. And this is probably what I'm most happy about, about the way that we came out. There was never a moment in time along that last 20 miles where I seriously thought I wasn't going to make it. I was going to suck. And I hated every single second of the last 20 miles. But um, I just knew, like, well, I'm just going to do it. There's no alternative. So there was a lot of mental growth <laughs> on that last 20 miles. The rest of the ride, I had a few mild low points kind of every time I would turn into the headwind. But really, I was surprised with how, how well I handled that mentally until I got tired. Yeah. And then it was all over uh, in terms of the mental. But there was one other, was one really, really low point towards the end where I finally turned out of the wind. And I literally was so happy to turn out of the wind and head back towards the finish line area that I almost started crying tears of joy <laughs> that I was out of the wind. And it was like a false turn because I only went about maybe 500 yards. And mm -hmm. then I had to turn back into the wind again. And I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> so when I saw that right turn back into the wind, I, I had a really bad moment but that was very short lived as well so so yeah there were some dark spots but honestly I was pretty happy with how few of them there were okay. conditions and um, the fact that it was a lot longer ride than I'm used to at this point yeah. everything that had gone on it, the dark spots that you are referencing are alive and well in every long endurance event and what athletes need to recognize is that just because they have a dark spot doesn't mean that they're doing it wrong or that they're not trained well enough or that they're not going to finish. The dark spots are just low points that you're getting fatigued or maybe you're behind in calories or let's just face it, the muscles are tired, the body is tired. And what I love is that you did experience the dark spots, but what did you also experience with the dark spots? That you could well, I mean, mainly that they don't last. Yeah. I mean, they come and then they go. And even, even on that last 20 miles where I was just really tired, there were moments where it got a little better. I mean, the wind would let up a little bit or I would reframe my thinking a little bit, take a deep breath. And I'd have moments in time along there where it wasn't nearly as bad as well. It really is. You get through them. You know they're not going to last. And you also do it often enough that um, you understand, too, the feeling of accomplishment when it's done and that there's really nothing that's going to get in the way of getting to that point. And um, the good that you feel when you get through it far outweighs and is a lot longer lasting than the, the in the moment suck so are you aware of as you're looking back on it right now are you aware of how you got yourself out of the dark spots one I didn't really fight them I mean they came and I knew they were going to come but I 
I kind of let myself have a moment where I would, you know, scream a little or whatever. I didn't try to resist that, but I also didn't let it last very long before I worked on, okay, just take a deep breath. I always kind of came back to take a deep breath and just focus on, you know, right now. I think that's the biggest thing is just telling myself this isn't going to last for very long. It's just momentary and just deal with it because it will get better. So it's mainly a mental shift that was kind of accompanied by just, just take a deep breath and relax. And there were a couple of times where I would even just throw it in a lower gear and just, you know what, just stop working so hard right now and just take a deep breath. And I think that helped a little. Yeah, that's awesome. So take a deep breath, focus on the now, and remind yourself that it's not going to last very long. How do you think you could take that experience and bridge it into daily living. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> well, there's a lot of daily moments that are also very trying, I guess, uh, at times, and say the same thing about that. I've had I had a couple just today, actually, <laughs> that I you know if I would have put that into motion, might have not been quite as bad. Huh. So, yeah, that's true. I mean, the whole take a deep breath and just relax. I think. Fighting it tends to make it worse, I guess. I don't know. It just creates more resistance and makes it worse. And I tend to do that in my life more so than I do <laughs> on my bike. So that's a good, a good analogy. Um, so yeah, just take a, take a deep breath and relax. And just know that even the darkest moments in life don't last forever. There's always a turning point. And um, you, know, you just have to sustain until you get through it, I guess. Yeah. And bring yourself back to the now because the greatest anxiety comes in. Is this the way it's always going to be? And what am I going to do in a week? What am I going to do in a month? What am I going to do in the run? Yeah. Right. I think reminding yourself too that like staying in the now, but envisioning something in the future that feels better mm. and kind of pulling on that a little bit. So like when I was writing uh, at the end, every once in a while I would kind of, let my brain go to the finish line and imagine, okay, I'm finally done, you know, and that feeling that would come with it. And so that's a fine line, like not completely being fixated on that, but, but allowing that to kind of, like, as you say, pull you a little bit. Um, so even in life doing that too, like, uh, you know, yeah, this moment sucks, but overall my life is really good and I have all these good moments that are coming. I just have to get through this. So. Um, but it's a, we can learn so much about daily living by the way we approach sport and so much about sport from the way we approach daily living. You know, there's a phrase that we use, how you do one thing is how you do anything. So being able to bridge the gap between the lessons in the field and the lessons in life is really, really powerful. So you mentioned the finish line. Let's talk about that. I want to hear what it was like for you to be approaching the finish line. Uh, I was ready <laughs> to, to get to the finish line, and the last two or three miles felt like forever. Yeah. Um, there was one moment, I, I do remember in my head, I was thinking this, I had about 10 miles to go. I was still in the wind, and I was trying to soothe my soul by telling myself I only had 10 more miles to go. I'm like, okay, I'm out of single digits now. 
And then the reality hit of how slow I was going into that headwind. I was averaging about seven miles an hour at that point. And then I thought, oh my gosh, I only have 10 miles, but it's going to take me over an hour. And then I had to kind of shift out of that. Um, so even the last three miles felt long, but um, thankfully it, it was not into the wind and it was actually really pretty. It was the last three miles were around the lake. Uh, and so I was able to kind of, even though I was really tired, the last three miles or so, I was able to take in my surroundings and, and really take in really just how pretty riding my bike around the lake was. And um, thankful that I wasn't in the wind. And I started, you know, really envisioning crossing the finish line of Mount Ed for the last two or three miles. And um, so, when I say the last 20 sucked, I will say the last 17 did, and the last three were were, um, were better. So, yeah. Nice. It is amazing how when you can take in the scenery around you, how that can fuel you up. Yeah. Yeah. The scenery for most of the ride, for people that aren't familiar with the Oklahoma landscape, um, it is very similar to Kansas in terms of its fields and flat, and but with the added thing of uh, oil wells everywhere. So it wasn't exactly the most scenic mm. ride, but when I got around the lake, I was able to take in the scenery and be thankful. Yeah. And then you crossed the finish line. It was kind of anticlimactic actually, a little bit, because uh, the event had several different distances and they were also hosting a full distance, uh, a, a long course, triathlon which is the Ironman distance just not the Ironman brand I guess but and by that point all the shorter distances had finished and so the only people really still out on the course were the long distance people and they were all out on the run at that point and um, so transition was kind of partially broken down everybody was over in the in the run finisher shoot and um, so I crossed the finish line it was just me like I came into transition, it was just me. There was no fanfare. There were no streamers. There was no music. There was, <laughs> but I, it didn't really take away from the fact that I was super excited to be getting off my bike. That's but, awesome. And the feeling of accomplishment of having got through that day kind of um, was the the biggest thing that I felt. And it honestly wouldn't have mattered if there were five thousand people there or two. Um, it was more of an internal feeling of satisfaction that, that I felt to be done and to have gotten through it. Yeah, so it was anticlimactic in a way, but I was very, very excited to get there. So. There's a great quote that I absolutely love. and I've experienced its truth, and I've heard other people say that they really experienced its truth also. So I think this is a great place to insert it. And that quote is, big time confidence only comes from doing big time events or having big time experiences. How does that strike you to hear that? Can you resonate with that? I, I agree. And, you know, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago, actually, in that a lot of the anxiety that I have to a certain extent is fear of the unknown. And when you go out and you do it, you kind of take out that fear of the unknown element because now it's a known entity. And while the landscape may be different and the course may be different and the weather will be different and my state of mind will be different and I may feel different after having swam, um, 
the fact that I've done a 112 mile bike ride in a race takes away a little bit of that fear of the unknown. Yeah. So, and that really, I think is what stops me and probably a lot of people oftentimes is, well, I don't really know. So I'm just not going to do it because I don't, I'm afraid of what it is going to be. And the only way to get past that fear is just to do it. So. What would you tell somebody who is in a similar situation as you were a couple of years ago, who knows that they're not living life to its fullest, they're shrinking away from fear of the unknown, and so they're just not doing anything. They know they don't want to keep feeling the way they're feeling, but they're afraid to make any kind of changes. What, what would your advice be for them looking back on being in a similar situation years ago? Well, I think a, a big one really, and I'll use the Ironman as an example, because when I first started working with you, what, three, four years ago, that was, had always been on my radar, but from where I was at, it was such an overwhelming thought that it seemed impossible. And if I would have started out with that as my goal, I guess, it would have seemed too much to accomplish. And that overwhelming, oh my gosh, I can't get from point A to point B, that's too much, kind of paralyzed me into non-action. So having something big that you want to do, but not making it your main focus and, and just focusing on something small that you can do that's the next step and graduating up from there, um, but always having something in front of you that you're working towards. Um, it's probably the biggest thing. Realize it's not an overnight thing. And so uh, letting go of instant gratification, really, and just being patient with the process, but always having something you're working towards that's small enough that feels like you can do it, but big enough that makes you change. So small I think that's enough that feels like you can do it, but big enough that makes you change. That's I don't know if that makes any sense, but absolutely um, very profound, actually. You know, if you think about the steps that I've taken over the last three years, I mean, every single thing has been within my reach, and every year it moves up a little bit, and it's necessary growth to get there. I mean, if I would have told if, if I would have told you from the first day, my my goal this year is to do an Ironman, you probably would have laughed me out the door, <laughs> um, and I would have been so overwhelmed by it that I wouldn't have done anything. Well, first but, of all, I absolutely would not have laughed you out the door. I would have congratulated you on having yeah. really big goals. And then I would have said, let's take a look at the timing. Yeah. We had an interesting glitch about a year ago, didn't we? Because you had it in your mind that you wanted to do your first 70.3 last year. And what happened? Was it just a year ago? I was thinking it was a little longer ago than that. Yeah, but a year ago. I, well, I was still in my old job, which I don't think we've even talked about the fact that I quit my job through all of this to have more time and freedom to pursue things like this. But I was still in my old job, which was a time and an energy and a soul sucker. And I had a lot of other things going on and I had put it in my plan to do. And you basically looked at me and were truthful and said, you don't have the time or energy to do this right now. And I resisted with it uh, pretty big time, actually. I even remember we decided I would do a goal race of an Olympic that year, which was much more doable in my timeline. And I came home and I registered for that race. And I had, I threw a little two-year-old temper tantrum. As soon as I hit register, I was so mad that I wasn't doing what I wanted. But in retrospect, it was the right choice. And um, 
you know, so allowing things to unfold when the timing is right is important. I, I do get that. But, you know, that first year, I think it was the, four, I hiked 14 minutes. And so it was something that seemed really daunting to me at the time. I was so unfit that that even seemed really difficult. And even just a couple of months before I went to go do that, I was feeling very, oh my gosh, this is going to happen. So it forced me to really change because otherwise, you know, it scared me enough into doing something to accomplish it. But it didn't feel so overwhelming that it paralyzed me into non-action. Like, there's a fine line there. You've always been really good about having the big goals out there that are looming that and they're thing, you know, you're a very multi-passionate person. And so having these things that are looming out there that really light you up have been incredible forward moving anchors. And the challenge at the time was that your lifestyle was so full and energy sucking because of the work you were doing so many hours and so many of those hours that were in a dark cave in in a position that you didn't weren't wasn't really fulfilling so many parts of your life at the time were energy drains there there just wasn't any energy left to put into the areas of life that would fill you up and so coming down to the wire training for the 14er was even tough Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah and it came to a point where we said either you will come this and this in the next couple of weeks or we can't do it yeah having something that you actually are passionate about and look forward to or want to do rather than just well i should probably do this because i should mm-hmm. have something that really motivates you to do it because it's something you're passionate about it took me a while to find that you know what am i passionate about that's happening right now and then i guess my last piece of advice would just to be, be patient with yourself because it's a very up and down process you have a lot of moments where you get mad at yourself and, you know, I haven't changed or I'm not getting anywhere. I don't see any progress or um, just know that those little apparent stalls or bumps in the road are also temporary. Um, it's the dark spots. The dark spots and um, that there is change going on, even though you may not see it mm-hmm. and just with yourself through those times mm-hmm. because they will happen. It's not, growth is not linear. You know, you know, as you're speaking, what's coming to mind is you and I speak often about contrast and contrast is that sensation that things aren't going well, or you're experiencing something you don't like to experience. And we call it contrast because there's actually a a great benefit in it because it shows you you're doing something or experiencing something you don't want to be experiencing. So for example, the 14er, or let's use the example of the wanting to do the 70.3. And we're like, nope, can't do it because we don't have the time or the energy for it. Like experiencing that contrast, that disappointment and not being able to sign up for the 70.3 kept you engaged and energized to make change in your life so that you can make room for that. Yeah, it, it contrast is when you realize what you don't want, you hopefully use that as motivation to start doing whatever it takes to get into something that you do want. So yeah, I, I don't, I think that was in the fall of a couple of years ago. And then the very next spring is when I quit my job. I'm trying to think of the timeline. So it was within a year and a half of that moment where you told me, oh, you don't have time or energy. And I had my little temper tantrum. It was within a year, a year and a half later, I was doing a 70.3. Right, right. But I quit my job. So Mid-space. I mean, that wasn't the only reason, but right. it was 
necessary if that was ever and let's be clear you quit your job and still got another job that is so yeah yeah I'm still doing yeah responsibility yeah I'm not just not working I'm still paying the bills I right and, and you know it's not the perfect situation there are some sacrifices we already talked about my night work schedule which is a little bit challenging but all in all it's much better suited to what I need you get to a point where you just have to make a change that saying is change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change as a reminder listeners kim works a unique schedule she's a radiologist she works seven days on seven days off essentially but the challenging the most challenging part is that it's second slash third shift so her common work schedule is like 5 p.m to 2 a.m yeah yeah it, it really wreaks havoc on on her sleep patterns and um while again it is a much better option for her than the, the job she was in before it, it does still come with some like you said some sacrifices and some challenges when it comes to training um, i will add in there that you know again it's like a, a step step-by-step -step process there's no overnight fix so my goal is to eventually get out of what i'm doing entirely and get into something that i want to do more and what would that be? What is it that you want to do more? <laughs> well, I wanted to get in. I want to get into uh, wellness medicine, lifestyle medicine, and and uh, teach people to live a healthier life and and do it in a let's change your lifestyle way as opposed to pill pushing Western medicine kind of approach and allow me to kind of set my own schedule and work during the days and do some things that I enjoy doing and get out of the dark room, which is really not suited to me. Uh, so, but again, if I would have gone from the job that I was in to, I want a wellness center that allows me to do what I want all the time without taking the steps in between, it would have felt overwhelming and I'd still be in my other job. And so it was the idea of, okay, I'm just going to take the next step and I'm going to be here a while, but all the while I'm still keeping the end goal in my brain. It goes back to that, you know, have something in front of you that's doable but that yet also forces you to change. So, and then the next step is the same. The human psyche can handle smaller steps much easier. We call that closing the gap. So looking at where you are now, looking at where you wanna go and, and closing the gap between the two with those small sustainable steps. By the way, I cannot think of a better person to be doing the wellness training that, that you're working your way into. I mean, you're, you're living it, you're living it right now. And, and how can that not be of tremendous value to any client that comes your way? I am just so excited for that day to come. You have you have lives to positively influence. It's really exciting. Well, I will say that there's not going to be too many people that can come in and give me a reason why they can't do something because I've used that reason in the past and I've overcome it. And so I can look at them and I can call BS. <laughs> You're going to be like, <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, it's like, uh, I've been there, I use that excuse, and I'm here to tell you it's not a valid one. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, listeners, when you come to see Kim for some treatment, just know that she's going to be very real with you. She's going to love you tremendously and be very real with you. <laughs> yeah, just like Jill does with me when she says 70.3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're not doing that this week. So, as we're, we're beginning to wrap things up, we're going to add a component here uh, called the thornbud rose uh, effect. And the thorn 
is discussing a piece of um, training or part in your life right now that is sort of agitating or pokey or kind of bugging you. And the bud is something that hasn't come to fruition yet or manifestation, but you're excited about. And the rose itself is what has opened up and blossomed and has come to manifestation that you're celebrating. So starting with the thorn, what would you say is a thorn right now? I would say the thorn right now for me is the, just the, again, back to that fear of the unknown of what to expect and my fear of not finishing. Like, am I, that constant, am I going to be fast enough? Is it going to come together? Am I going to be able to do it? It's kind of the nagging thought in the back of my brain that, uh, you know, we've talked about where I try to really focus on the moment, just what the training is, but that comes in more often than I'd like. And especially, you know, when I go out and do a, a, a training session where it's slow or I'm really tired and I think, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. And that is probably my biggest thorn right now is the oscillation, the back and forth of can I do this? Uh, am I going to be fast enough? A lot of those questions. As far as the bud, I, I would say something that hasn't come to fruition that I'm looking forward to is I'm about to head into the peak volume stuff and I think getting through that and when I can kind of say okay I'm in taper and you know what I've done it I've done the work and um, so that moment where you know it's not where you totally relax because obviously you still have some things to accomplish in those last couple of weeks but that feeling of accomplishment that the hard work is you know as the the triathlon saying is the haze in the barn right you know that and I've done it and now it's just a matter of getting to race day and, and doing my best. And I would say for the rose, uh, I'm definitely feeling very good about my effort helping to win last weekend. And I've kind of been celebrating that a little bit this week in terms of getting through a really challenging weekend that was a little harder than it maybe should have been just because of weather and my mental outlook on it and how I came out of that. I'm really celebrating that because I think I think last weekend what it told me was that mentally and you know my head can get through race day. It's just a matter of my speed and everything else. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah. I'm gonna reflect back to you one of the things that you said you used when you were going through your dark spot and I'm hoping that this will help bring you some comfort and some ease when that thorn starts poking at you and it says, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to finish this on time? And the three steps that you mentioned that you used in the race last weekend are take a deep breath, focus on the now, and to remember that this isn't going to last very long. So when that thorn gets really, really pokey, taking those three steps, and bring yourself right back to the present moment rather than worrying about what's gonna happen in the future is what's going to actually benefit your training the most. And it goes back to that whole letting go of the outcome thing too. Like I tend to, I was like, wait a minute, I'm getting too focused on the outcome again. I gotta let that go. Yes. And I will share with you, I do believe that that is common with 100% of us, that we get caught up in the outcome. But 
while we're learning how to manage ourselves better, it's just that continued repetition of bringing yourself back to the now, bringing yourself back to the now, bringing yourself back to the now. I mean, what other time in your life have you practiced or been taught to even bring yourself back to the now? Very few. So repetition, repetition, repetition. I used to get really bored with repetition and now I celebrate it. Oh, yeah. And I know it's such an incredible system changer. Yeah. We cannot change our system without repetition. So when the opportunity to repeat something comes up, it's like, yes, I get to do it again and change my system. It's like updating the, the operating system. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I will just add one thing in there in terms of the repetition and, you know, race stuff that I'm getting better at using mantras too, as far as getting through stuff. And so I found myself on the bike using it a little more often in um, how much it really helped not have some of the negative thoughts in. Yeah. And as thinking about it, what comes to mind is in that last 20 miles, I did not use it as much because I was so focused on how bad things were sucking a lot yeah. that, that that's probably something I could improve on there. Like that just came to me, you know, in terms awesome. of and you're right, when we get the most tired is when we stop doing the things that work. So this is such a good awareness on your part to be able to go, okay, in that 20 miles, I need to up my mental game. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Great. Thank you, Kim, for being here and letting us into the internal makings of your experience. I just know that this is going to be so beneficial for our listeners out there. So thank you so much for bringing us in on all of this. Kim, we always love to end with a, a song. What is the song you're choosing for this week's content? This week, it is by one of my favorite bands, Imagine Dragons, mm -hmm. and it's called Whatever It Takes. And I think it's very appropriate after Saturday's bike ride, because uh, my mentality was really whatever it takes, I'm gonna finish this 112 mile bike. And in the lyrics, it talks about break me down and build me up. And that's really part of what this whole training thing is right now, especially the next few weeks coming or, or you know, kind of that break me down and then build me up for race. So I thought that was good for today. Powerful, powerful song. We're gonna, go, we're gonna slide right into that song right now. Falling too fast to prepare for this Tripping in the world could be dangerous Everybody circling as vultures Negative, nepotist Everybody waiting for the fall of man Everybody praying for the end of times Everybody hoping they could be the one I was born to run, I was born for this Whip, whip, run me like a racehorse Pull me like a ripcord Break me down and build me up I wanna be the slip, slip Word upon your lip, lip Rather that you rip, rip Break me down and build me up Whatever it
my years like a martyrdom. Everybody needs to be a part of them. Never be enough from the prodigal son. I was born to run, I was born for this. Whip, whip, run me like a Something that I'm proud of Out of the box and epoxy To the world and the vision we've lost I'm an apostrophe I'm just a symbol to remind you That there's more to see I'm just a product of the system of catastrophe And yet a masterpiece And yet I'm half diseased And when I am deceased At least I go down to the grave And I happily Leave the body of my soul To be a part of it Whatever it takes Listeners, if you access the podcast today from my website at jillmsummers.com, be sure to add your name and email on the right-hand side of the page so you are automatically notified of the next podcast. It's time to sign off now. Have a fantastic week. And remember to always imagine the possibilities in your own life and keep moving to live and living to move. Thanks for being with us today. We invite you to join us on our mission to move people forward and upward. Go to jillmsummers.com. That's jillmsommers.com for more information and to listen to other inspiring podcasts. And remember to do one thing today that moves your life forward, which impacts others around you to do the same.